You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Are you ready to get this rig rolling, Philbo Faggins? Yeah, I guess. What's wrong, buddy? Vi los debates democraticos. Lo siento, amigo. Yo también lo mire. ¿Quién crees que gano? No los estados unidos se me permite decir a nadie. No estarías equivocado. Pero, Tulsi Gabbard, tuvo uno o dos momentos realmente buenos cuando soto sobre... Tim Ryan, por ser un maltido gallinero. Sí, ajá. Estoy de acuerdo con eso, pero todos siguen siendo desagradables. ¿Sabes quién fue la más asquerosa? Esos tres tontos que se lanzaron el español para señalar la virtud a un grupo de liberales gringos culpables eh, para tratar de complacer a las... Español habalantes. Realmente fue vergonzosa, especialmente para el Beto. Roberto Francisco O'Rourke es un gigante idiota gringo. Tendrías que ser un idiota para empezar a hablar español así, como si fuera a impresionar a alguien. Nunca haríamos eso. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Hola a todos y bienvenidos a un nuevo episodio de... (coughs) Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Make Liberty Great Again. Definitely not pandering, no sir. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me as always is my very Mexican and very white co-host, Phil Padilla. Hello, dear friend. I'm glad to be here. So I want to start off the show a little different today. I recently had an interesting conversation, honestly, that left me a little flabbergasted. I like stories. What happened? Well, I could get fired from my job. Why? Well, I mean, if if this guy, if he complains, it could screw me. Oh, so it was a customer. Yep. What did you guys talk about? Uh, Politics? Well, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah, it was. What all did you say? Don't tell me that you guys talked about, like, the abortion bill or something. No, 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 we didn't. Um, it, it was something pretty important, though. You talked about war, didn't you? I knew... I knew I shouldn't have. But he didn't give me much choice. I'm not a praying man, but I'll be praying that you aren't thrown out on your ass. How did he hook you into this conversation? Well, it started with those damn debates. I mean, most of that part of the discussion was mostly unimportant, And I mean, I think he might have a crush on Elizabeth Warren. That's gross. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about, you know, really several different candidates. And for the the most part, I was restrained. I mean, he he even said that he thought Tulsi was more or less the winner of that first debate. I mean, I I agreed mostly. And I said, you know, my my agreement is based on the fact that she was the most Googled person, most Googled candidate after that. I stated that I liked the back and forth between her and Tim Ryan uh, when she called him out for being ignorant when it came to 9-11 and the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, can you believe that doofus said the Taliban ran planes into the towers? The dude's an idiot. I mean, honestly, that was the only real moment of either of those debates that was worth anything at all. I have to admit, I was a little sad that Trump wasn't live tweeting during the, you know, the debate. Oh, me, me too. When the the customer was saying good things about that moment, I had this brief thought of like, Oh, wow. Some common ground with a Democrat. 
That doesn't happen often. And then I'm guessing he dashed your hopes and dreams for a good conversation? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the conversation continued, and we got to the portion of the debate where the candidates were asked what the greatest threat to America is. There were a lot of stupid answers to that question. The closest thing to a good answer was Tulsi saying nuclear war. Right, right. And I said something similar, except the way I put it was that I said the greatest threat to America is American foreign policy. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you would have thought that that would have done it, that that would have been the thing that got me in, that I'm sure I'm in trouble for. But that wasn't what what it was. That That just kicked off the conversation. It was actually, after I said that, he said that American foreign policy was only an issue because Trump is in charge of it and that Trump is the real biggest threat to America. Ooh, I bet that got you triggered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, saying some crap like that and just, you know, ignoring decades of evil foreign policy by every evil piece of crap president. I mean, I, the, the dude mentioned Iran. I mean, he straight up said that Trump's most recent move in Iran was going to cause a war with Iran. Was he talking about the sanctions? No, 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 no. He was talking about his decision to not kill a bunch of Iranians over a drone. Wait. So, in this guy's mind, him not starting a war leads to starting a war. Apparently. I told him that Trump shouldn't have even gotten that ball rolling. But, you know, that I was glad that he didn't kill a bunch of people over a piece of destroyed equipment. Did he disagree with you? Oh, he sure did. But the most important part of this, and the reason that I could lose my job if this customer complains, is that I may have accidentally cornered him. Like physically? Like you got up in his face? Oh, no, 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 no. Of course not. Rhetorically. You mean figuratively? No, I mean, I mean rhetorically. I caught him in my argument, and that dude had nowhere to go. How did you do that? Well, I mean, you know, I, I made strong statements and presented them as hard facts. And how'd that go? Fantastically and awfully. You know, you really have to learn how to tell a story faster. I'm getting bored. <sighs> So I, I made the statement that any act of war or retaliation has to be decided based on morality. And I asserted that it's immoral to kill people over a piece of equipment. Which is just true. That's absolute fact. When I said that, he accepted that premise without pushing against war or war over equipment being immoral. I mean, and that's, that's where I cornered him. I even conceded that the situation could warrant a military response if an American had died in that attack. And how do you respond to that one? He agreed with me, obviously, because he was on the side of war. But what he said was that the downing of that drone was, quote-unquote, attacking America. But it really wasn't. They attacked a spy robot that was made to spy on them. Right, yeah. I even used the analogy of the drone in your backyard from last week. Did that kind of help him understand? No way. He just kept going. They attacked America. They needed to be attacked back. Uh, he said that wherever the missile was shot from needed to be destroyed, regardless of how many lives were lost. That sounds par for the course for your average, you know, neocon, but I guess we know that Democrats are mostly neoconservative socialists these days too, so they're getting a little hard to distinguish one from the other. Yeah, I mean, I simply stated that murdering people over equipment is murder. And, you know, I said that it was just completely immoral. And that dude accepted that premise a second time. So he accepts a premise that he in turn argues against. Right. He sounds pretty dumb. Yeah, yeah. no, he is. 
Uh, most people at at that point of an argument would, you know, try to reframe it uh, by making about, oh, well, you know, if we do this, we'll, it will save lives or any other sort of thing that pushes it away from immorality. But he didn't. He just looked at me and said, well, sometimes we have to be immoral. Hold on a second. So he argued against morality. Full stop. I mean, he didn't he didn't have an argument that reframed military action or war is just. I asked him if he held to the tenets of just war or felt that things should be proportional. And the dude didn't let up whatsoever. He straight up agreed that it was an immoral move and that our evil president should have killed those 150 people because they shot down a drone. And I know you a little bit by now, so I'm going to assume that you told him that that was just immoral. I did. (laughs) I also told him that if we, for some reason, had to have a state, that we should do everything in our power to make it act morally. That makes sense, right? Right. I mean, but he said, nope, sometimes you just have to be immoral. So I said, it wouldn't be the U.S. government if they acted morally, would it? And that's the point where he huffed out. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good story. It just reinforces me hating people. Oh, yeah, me, me too. I'm proud of you. Way to stand your ground. I'm going to write that in my diary. So here's a bit of fun. Our buddies in Antifa are making headlines again. Well, what acts of violence are they up to now? Oh, you know, just attacking a gay Asian journalist during Pride Month. What? Well, here's the scoop. They attacked Andy No. He's written for the Daily Wire, and I believe he also writes for Quillette, if I'm saying that right. He tweeted out on Saturday, which is yesterday, quote, Attacked by Antifa. Bleeding. They stole my camera equipment. No police until after. Waiting for ambulance. If you have evidence of attack, please help. Oh, that's oh, that's awful. Not only attacking someone for simply, you know, disagreeing with them, but to rob them too? God, these these animals are out of control. T- to further your point, he was also hit by milkshakes, which is somehow their new thing. From what I've I've browsed online, they've adopted milkshake slinging because in their eyes, it humiliates their opponents. And in their opinion, their racist right-wing foes fear nothing more than public humiliation. But, you know, that's uh, that's assault and battery. You aren't wrong, but they don't really care. They attack people for ideological differences all the time. This isn't, this isn't news at this point. But here's the, here's the full scoop. The Rose City Antifa group gathered to protest the Proud Boys. And there's videos online, like on Twitter, that you can see of Andy being punched, kicked, pelted with milkshakes, and then, of all things, shot with silly string. As if all that other stuff's not bad enough, let's just spray it with some silly string. And, and you know, and people just stood by, and they filmed it instead of helping a defenseless human being. I mean, it's despicable. These people are children. Violent children, to be more accurate, but I agree. And I've also seen reports from the Portland police that some of the milkshakes were mixed with quick-drying cement powder. Oh, a uh, fun fact. Quick-drying cement reacts with heat and can act like an acid causing burns and uh, eating its skin. So, not only can the milkshakes become like throwing bricks at someone, they're basically graduating to acid attacks. Apparently. What is this, Great Britain? Anyway, since you're plugged into the Twitter world, you know, like a dork, and you have too much time on your hands, what's the reaction that you're seeing that's pretty common around this? (sighs) The common response has been, quote-unquote, denouncing violence, but then following up with some sort of he deserved it. 
and saying that he isn't really a journalist. And I mean, most of these people have been blue checks. I probably should have guessed that, but those people sound like real turds. I mean, they are. I mean, let me let me read a couple for you. Uh, the first one, have you heard of Carlos Maza? Uh, I, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he's the guy on Vox who does videos that are just filled with nonsense. Um, he's the one who tried to get Steven Crowder kicked off of YouTube for calling him a lispy queer. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. where I know him from. I knew I knew I heard the name somewhere before, but yeah, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I just want to read his tweet first. This is an old tweet. It's from, um, well, not that old. It's from uh, May. And so he, he had tweeted out, milkshake them all, humiliate them at every turn, make them dread public organizing. Does that not sound like, you know... An incitement to violence? Uh, yes, it does. That's it's pretty. It's pretty blatant. Yeah. But moving on to the the people who actually were reacting to the Andy No story. Charlotte Clymer, whoever that is, tweeted: Andy No intentionally provokes people on the left to drive his content. Being attacked today on video, taken by an actual journalist, because No is definitely not, is the greatest thing that could have happened to his career. You know it. I know it. He knows it. We all know it. That tweet sounds ridiculous. I mean, I'm I'm sure he just woke up that morning with the hopes and dreams that he was going to be attacked just so it would boost his career. I, I, I'm 100% sure that was his goal. But anyway, I saw that he was in the hospital with a possible brain bleed. And, you know, I saw the video. He didn't attack anyone at all. So this allegation that he just is going around provoking people, I mean, that just seems ridiculous. Right. And the next tweet I have for you is from a man named Steve Hofstetter. Have you ever heard of this guy? Nope. He's he's a ginger comic on YouTube. He's really more of like a one-trick pony. He tweeted, I don't condone violence and I don't like to see anyone hurt. But... Angie No is as much a journalist as I am a second baseman. You know, that first sentence was gold, and that's just, that's where he should have ended it. Right. I mean, anything before but in a political discussion can be absolutely disregarded. And uh, finally, I have a tweet from Alheli Picasso. Again, who? She quoted a, uh, a fake response to her that says, the left approves of violence. And so she replied to that, Someone who's progressive explicitly says aggression and violence are unacceptable. Then she made up another fake quote to respond to. You didn't express adequate respect for the person you're defending. To which she responded, The only way to win at this tiresome juvenile game is to refuse to play. Someone who is progressive explicitly says aggression and violence are unacceptable. Right. If that were true, I'm pretty sure they'd be anarchists. Straight facts. These people are completely unable to just denounce the actions of Antifa. They are so red versus blue that they have to find some way to defend their side and demonize anyone who disagrees with them. I mean, even if they have to claim that a gay Asian man is a white supremacist. This is, again, just some straight-up clown world stuff. I mean, who... How on earth does anyone call anyone else juvenile when their side is literally throwing milkshakes at people. This sounds like the most dangerous and gayest food fight in American history. Uh, can I talk about Best Korea for a moment? <sighs> I know that there's nothing in the world that's going to stop you, so just go ahead. So uh, Trump met with Kim Jong-un in the DMZ. I mean, he took 20 steps into Best Korea. 
Doesn't that make him the first president to do that, like, ever? It sure does. I mean, I do wish he'd do the same thing with Iran. But hey, this is a good thing. So we have to give him a good Trump for going, you know, going forward with diplomacy. Good Trump. Good Trump. Uh, I picked up this article from Fake News Central uh, that actually has reactions from the Democratic 2020 hopefuls. Are you talking about CNN? I am. Uh, so the good news is that this was a historic step to mending our relationship with Best Korea, and Kim has actually agreed to revive talks on the nuclear program. The bad news, like I said, is that the Democrats, they're not having it. Oh, imagine that. It's pretty obvious that Trump derangement syndrome is strong with them, but I, I am morbidly curious, what did they have to say? Well, let's start with uh, your favorite bobblehead, Comrade Bernie. His actually wasn't too terrible. Uh, he said that he had no problem with the meeting, but takes issue with Trump's incredible inconsistencies. Although, I have no idea what he's referring to, and the article does not elaborate. Well, well I guess you're right in a way. That's not too terrible. So, who was next? Who else has something to say? Well, Klubakar said, Democracy is not as easy as bringing a hot dish over the fence to the dictator next door. Did you say next store or next door? She, she was quoted as saying, next store. What the fluff does that even mean? I have no idea. I mean, maybe maybe she's stupid? You know, I, I, I have no problem believing that. But also, maybe the author of the article made a typo. But I'd rather not give her the benefit of the doubt because I'm a pretty petty person. So we'll just we'll just <laughs> leave it. We'll just leave it at that. She's stupid. Well, I mean, she does throw things at people when she gets angry. Uh, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that she might not be there mentally. I don't know. She uh, she continued by saying that there needs to be a clear focus and a clear mission and clear goals. That's a lot of clears. So clear. But isn't that how diplomacy works? You meet with your neighbor, whether they're close or distant, and you just kind of talk about various things. And to counter, I believe there is a clear goal. I mean, at least for the U.S. there is. They want Best Korea to denuclearize. Yep. Next up, we have Creepy Joe. This one's pretty good. Lord, beer me strength. He said, President Trump's coddling of dictators at the expense of American national security and interests is one of the most dangerous ways he's diminishing us on the world stage and subverting our values as a nation. This past week, he yet again fawned over Kim Jong-un, to whom he's made numerous concessions for negligible gain. He joked with Vladimir Putin about our election security and getting rid of journalists, and even expressed sympathy for Turkey buying Russian missiles. The former vice president spokesman, Andrew Bates, said in a statement, his conduct reinforces that we urgently need a president who can restore our standing in the world, heal relationships with key allies Trump has alienated, and deliver real change for the American people. That's just bananas. How has our national security been compromised by meeting with little Kim? I, I'd really like to have that explained and elaborated on, but I know that's never going to happen, so I'll just move on to my next point. If by subverting our values as a nation he means bombing people we don't like, then I say good. I'm all for it. 100% on board. Why bomb people that don't need bombing? But why are Democrats like so hell-bent against trying to build good relationships with Best Korea and Russia? Yet they have just absolutely no issue, generally speaking, with our ties with countries like Saudi Arabia. Because it doesn't look strong. I mean, they also probably hate that it's working. You're probably right. 
I didn't think about that. That's a good point. But is that the last of it, or did someone else have something to say? Oh, it's not the last of it. I have one last gem for you. From Pocahontas herself, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She tweeted, Our president shouldn't be squandering American influence on photo ops and exchanging love letters with a ruthless dictator. Instead, we should be dealing with North Korea through principled diplomacy that promotes U.S. security, defends our allies, and upholds human rights. Well, first of all, love letters. You gotta love that. That's just ridiculous. I'm sure that's what they're doing, writing each other love letters. Kim, I've got, I've got great news for ya. I got your nudes. Do you like me? Check yes or no, or maybe. Yes. <laughs> but, to ask a serious question here, how does posing for a photo during a historic meetup squander American influence? Couldn't you argue that our influence is pretty strong, given that these meetings are even happening in the first place? And her last sentence is just gibberish. We are pursuing diplomacy, and what risk does Best Korea pose to the U.S. realistically? Also, what allies are we needing to defend, and how does this meeting undermine any other international relationship that we have with anybody? I mean, the South Korean president was even there, for Christ's sakes. I mean, so what is she even talking about? And just, I'd also like to argue that by pursuing diplomacy and not just bombing the country and causing instability and mass murder, we are upholding human rights, the right to life. How dare you think through things or have any sort of nuance in your brain? Orange man, bad. I'm sorry. You're right. Let me download the latest software update. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Orange man, bad. I mean, who cares if we're moving closer to freeing the hostage population of the DPRK? Who cares? Screw them. Well, the the Democratic hopefuls sure don't care about that. They're just flexing and want to go back to the good old days when Barack Obama completely ignored the issue. You know, may God have mercy on their souls because our politicians sure won't if they have their way. Man, those Democratic candidates... God, they live in a dark world. All of them except for Marianne Williamson. That chick looks like she lives in a world created by magic mushrooms. Let me ask you this. Have you read any of her tweets? That's actually an area of the Twitterverse that I haven't spent much time in. Please, please share. All right. I found an article that has a bunch of her greatest hits. I'm going to read a few, and then we're going to discuss them. Should I be scared or delighted? Probably both. So here we go. There's a couple that stood out when I first perused the list. So we're going to go over those first, and then I'm just going to pick them at random. Okay, sounds good. Number one, your body is merely your space station. From whence you beam your love to the universe. (laughs) Stop it. Don't laugh. This is hard enough. (laughs) Don't just relate to the station. Relate to the beams. What does that even mean? I don't know. Why is your body a space station? And why is it beaming love? And how do you... What was it? How do you relate to love? And how do you weaponize love so you can beam it to places? Oh, love trumps hate. Yeah, Or Trump loves hate. What's the saying? Uh, this is from 2012, so I don't know if that was popular back then. Okay, what's what's the second one? Give me the second one. Put it in my veins. (laughs) Okay, here's number two. And please stop laughing, because this is hard enough to read. Number two is, everyone feels on some level like an alien in this world, because we are. We come from another realm of consciousness, and we long for home. Whoa. What? 
why does that just hmm i can understand if she's trying to say like we feel like we're we don't belong because we're trying to like find our purpose or trying to find our way but literally calling everyone an alien and we're trying to find our home like all right weird flex but okay i don't know if it sounds crazier or dumber coming from her i feel like she like she ate a couple of edibles trying to relax from like a hard day at the office and then just got on Twitter. Like she was watching some weird documentary on Netflix and then just took it to Twitter. I feel like that's what this tweet is. <laughs> and, and she writes books. So you have to wonder if like she's one of those people that like inhabits her books as she writes them. And she was writing about aliens or some bull crap like that. God only knows. Are you ready for the next one? Give it to me. Okay. The real you is not a body. Your body is merely a suit of clothes. Physical birth was not your beginning, and physical death is not your end. Dude, I would have picked a much better outfit. <laughs> yeah. What does she mean your body is merely a suit of clothes? What does that even mean? <laughs> You're a soul in a body. Don't you know that, Phil? Well, she doesn't elaborate... <laughs> She doesn't she doesn't elaborate on what the real you is. So we're just kind of in limbo here is like okay, you stripped down what I'm not. What am I then? Probably a unicorn spirit. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> All right. Throw me some randos. I'm just going to pick a random one. All right. So this is a list of 25. So now I'm just going to randomly jump to 10. Humanity needs a mental shower. We need to wash off all prejudices of the 20th century and stand naked beneath the waters of eternal <laughs> truths. Oh, God. Uh, wait, wait. We, we got to stand naked, but our bodies are only clothes. So let me, let me parse this out. Remember, it's a mental shower, but we need to be naked for some reason. We need to take off our skin. Is what I'm getting from this. Am I wrong? Or open up our heads so our brains are exposed. I have. I. I really don't know because it doesn't make a lot of sense. We need to mentally shower, but we have to take off our clothes. I don't know how those are connected. Give me some more. But at the end of this, I'm going to read you my favorite Trump tweet. Okay. All right. I, actually, you know what? I'm going to go to number 25. Do it. <laughs> this is okay. This is more random than it is crazy. But here we go. This was actually from the other night at the debate. She she tweeted, "I need to learn Spanish by tomorrow night at 9." Yeah, no, no. That was that was great cuz it it came out in the middle of the debate and when you know they were doing their their fake Spanish spiel, Cory Booker and yeah, uh, Bobby Bobby Franks. Bobby Frank. <laughs> so here, now let me read you my favorite Trump tweet, okay? We get, I've got to get into character. Okay, here we go. Okay. Get loose. China. Okay. There you go. Every time I speak of the haters and losers, I do with great love and affection. They cannot help the fact that they are born f***ed <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when was that from? It was, it was in 2014, so it was pre-presidential stuff, but it's just, it's just fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good i love i love everything about that do you want to do one more of her tweets yes if it's yes one more all right 
So I'm gonna go to number 19. Oh boy. Are you ready? I am, I'm so ready. Cam, I don't know if you knew this, but your mind, it's like an airplane, and you are the pilot. Rise above the clouds, fly above the turbulence, seek a smoother ride. Wait, 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 wait. Did she say our mind is like an airplane? Yeah, and you're the pilot. How do you... But you would use your mind to take control. What the hell is happening right now? <laughs> Dude, just rise above the clouds, all right? <laughs> fly above the turbulence oh right wow i honestly my my greatest hope now is that she wins the primary so that we can have donald trump being crazy debating marianne williamson being crazier i mean god mm. oh the, the mm. can you imagine the tweets back and forth i want it so bad phil i want it so bad this has been my dream since like 45 minutes ago, and I've never wanted anything more in my life. <laughs> All right. Before we go, I wanted to mention something incredibly important and incredibly sad. We lost a very, very important person in the Liberty community on Thursday. Justin Raimondo, former editorial director and co-founder of AnnieWar.com, died at 67 after an almost two-year battle against lung cancer. He was very, very important to the cause of peace. We just talk about peace. That man dedicated his entire life to peace and fighting the war machine, and we owe a lot to him. I mean, we sure do. Since uh, Justin and Eric Garris co-founded Antiwar.com in 1995, I mean, they were a leading force against U.S. wars and foreign intervention. I mean, they provided daily and, you know, sometimes hourly updates. I mean comprehensive views, analysis, and an opinion on war and peace. I mean, the dude's body of work was just incredible. I mean, he wrote thousands of articles in his lifetime. Raimondo, if I remember correctly, wrote a biography of Murray Rothbard. That's right. I mean, it's it was called uh, An Enemy of the State. Now, to be honest, I haven't read it yet because, you know, I never quite find the time to do some of the things I want to do, for kids and all. But I'm definitely going to now. That'll be the next up on my Audible list, if it has an Audible. And uh, you should think about reading that, too. One thing about Raimondo was that he was just absolutely ruthless when it came to warmongers of any stripe, especially neoconservatives. I mean, you did not want to be someone who got caught in his ire. I am grateful for his contribution to our fight against foreign intervention and aggression. As am I. Rest in peace, Mr. Raimondo. Thank you for all you did, and thank you for bringing the anti-war fight to the masses through antiwar.com. We are forever in your debt. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us on this adventure into the madness that is our world. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon by typing in This Is MLGA. If you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at thisismlga at gmail.com. Hit us up, subscribe, and make sure to rate us on iTunes. It helps us grow and guarantees new episodes. And uh, don't forget to uh, check out the MLGA Network. We're a small and scrappy group of libertarians that share all of the best liberty podcasts on MLGANetwork.com. Except for the morning drive with David. It's just it's just awful, Phil. It's just so, so it's, bad. It, it's so bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, make sure to check that out. And we'll have even more original shows coming your way. 
as soon as I can uh, find the time to uh, do that. We're happy to be here, and we're happy you're with us. Stay sane. Hola a todos y bienvenidos a una nueva... <laughs> Why is this hard? It's like... Because we don't syllables. know how to speak Spanish. <laughs> it's speaking <laughs> syllables, though. Hola a todos y bienvenidos a... 